Okay, good morning. I'm just going to um, introduce Miss Hannah. She has been my friend for a long time, and we're really um, excited to have her come and share her testimony with us today. Um, she um, has a husband, Jared, and um, a little boy, Gabriel, who's five already. He's a little bit older than my Caroline. So anyways, just um, let's welcome Hannah and listen to what she has to say. Okay, can you hear me? Perfect. Well, as Julie said, my name is Hannah Schultz. I've actually gone to the chapel for, I'm going to be 34 in October, so for 34 years. <laughs> so <laughs> I have been here for quite a while. My, I'm going to be talking about being brave in the midst of chaos and confusion, which as we know happens a lot as mothers. It doesn't matter if you are a mother of one child or ten, there's chaos in your home. So we're going to talk about being brave in the midst of chaos and confusion. Going to be talking um, fully through my testimony is what I'm going to be doing today. So um, I'm going to be using prover proverbial life quotes. Those sometimes silly little quotes that we hear that everybody likes to say. The early, bir early bird gets the worm. Hate the quote because I'm not an early bird. So just so you all know that. Anyway, so I don't know actually how to advance the slide. Okay. Is this better? Ah, okay. <clears throat> so I don't want to repeat everything I just said. Pretty much sums it up right there. Okay, except for that I don't know how to advance the slide right now. Because if we know that when life hands you lemons, it doesn't just tie them up in a nice pretty bow and hand you this basket of lemons. It chucks the lemons at your head, and you're lucky if you're able to dodge it. Okay. And how about we talk about this lemonade if we have to make it to feel better? Cut the lemons, squeeze the lemons, get the juice, strain the juice, all the while that this saying does not tell us, life is continuing to chuck you these lemons, right? As you're making your lemonade, life is chucking lemons, and next thing a little bitty hand tugs your shirt and says, Mommy, will you read me a book? And you've lost it. You have completely lost it. Why? because everything is coming at you at once. And why does everything come at you at once? I don't know, because it does, but how can you handle it? How can you handle it? How can you be brave in the midst of chaos and confusion, in the midst of a lemon toss? How can you do that? There's really only one, there's not really only, there is only one way, and that is only through Jesus Christ our Savior. That's the only way that we can be brave in the midst of chaos and confusion. So this is my story of me being brave through chaos and confusion. I was raised in a Christian home. 
Um, like I said, I've been going to the chapel for ever since I was born. I moved what I thought was frequently. You know, I lived in five different houses and went to three different schools. So as a child, you think that's a lot. Then you hear military families and you're like, well, I didn't move at all because it was hardly any. But moved frequently. I always wanted to be one of the cool kids, never really fit in with the cool kids, but that's either here nor there. Then I got to college, got a scholarship to SEMO, promptly lost that scholarship to SEMO because I figure when you go to college, it's more fun to go out than just really study anything, you know, but made it through nursing school and um, started dating. For some reason, thought it would be cool to date an atheist. By the way, it's not cool to date an atheist. Don't ever do it. Well, you won't do it because you don't have kids anyway. So just to let you know that. Next slide, please. Second. I am the person that I had my life planned out to AT. I knew exactly how life was going to go, how it was going to be, and that's just how it was going to go. That's just how it is. I don't know if some of you may know April Helderman slash Kibble, um, but our plan was her and I both were going into nursing, and I was going to graduate four years before her. I would stay around here, then the two of us were going to leave out and be missionaries. That was, that was the plan. I then met my husband, Jared. And that blew that plan out of the water. We actually dated for four months before we got engaged, and then we got married 13 months after that. Another thing that I just, just knew, I just knew it. My family has a big line of infertility, but I just knew that gene was not going to come to me. I was going to get married at some point in time, have a child at 24, 26, 28, and then if I felt like it, I might have another one at 30. That was my plan. It was going to be boy, girl, boy, and then whatever God wanted to give me there. <laughs> that was my plan. That's how my life was planned out. So then once Jared and I got married, I thought, well, we'll just live our lives as a nurse and mechanic for the rest of our lives. And I sometimes wonder if God looks down and just kind of laughs and just says, you really think that's what's going to happen? I think I have a better plan for you. So Jared and I were married April 30th, 2005, and if you do the math, next month will be 10 years. Woo! Yay! Um, so we knew there could be an issue of getting pregnant. There's a possibility, so we always had adoption in the back of our mind, but we're just like not going to worry with that. August 26th, or August 26th, August 2006, we started trying to get pregnant, and we found out that that infertility gene did not skip me at all. Tried and tried and tried. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I take that back. We started October, August 2005. August 2006, we started doing the infertility treatments. Found out that I have PCOS, and for some of you have PCOS, some of you don't, but if you want the typical picture of PCOS, you are looking at the typical picture of PCOS. I did wax my face so you're not seeing all the extra hair. <laughs> okay. But I was determined my life wasn't going to change. My plan was not going to change just because I had PCOS. I was still going to have 24, 26, 28, and 30. Tried Clomid, didn't work. Tried shots, didn't work. Based on my history and everything, the doctor said, probably artificial insemination is not a good idea. We're going to go ahead and skip to IVF, and that's when we decided, I think we will take a break from trying. So we're going to take a step back and see about that. And then I skip this part. Marriages are made in heaven. It may not always feel heavenly, but 
they are definitely made in heaven. All right, next slide, please. Better to have loved and lost than to never loved at all. So, Friday before Father's Day 2007, I got my first pregnancy test, positive pregnancy test, and we were ecstatic. We've been trying, 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 got my first positive pregnancy test. Told my mom, told my dad, told our families that Monday, we got another blood test, found out that when we found out we were pregnant on Friday, that I was actually already miscarrying at that point in time. So, called the doctor, it was actually a blighted ovum. She thought she was gonna have me feel really a lot better, but I said, no, it really wasn't a baby anyway, so you don't have to feel all that bad. If there are tissues around here. Um, that actually makes you feel worse. Because if it wasn't a baby, then what was it? And if I wasn't pregnant, what was I? You know, what was it? So we've had miscarriages. To ask me how many, I don't know. You know, we quit going to the doctor when every time that I get a positive pregnancy test, I just knew that I was going to miscarry anyway. So I was like, well, I'm not even going to worry about calling a doctor. Until January 2nd of 2008 got a positive pregnancy test, and it stayed positive, and I didn't have a period. And I was like, what's going on? All of a sudden, I was pregnant. I was really pregnant. I was like, hey, this is awesome. So we were excited, but we were trying not to get too excited, you know, because we've been having issues, so <clears throat> I'm trying not to get too excited during the first trimester. But that was when the ice storm hit, and we had nothing else to do, so we named it. <laughs> you know, I don't remember if we picked out a girl's name or not, but we picked out a boy's name. And the boy's name that we decided on was Jude. And we, uh, after much back and forth thought, finally picked out a middle name, and it was Jude Weldon was the name that we picked out. And I remember going through the first trimester as sick as a dog, but didn't care because I was pregnant, that's all I cared about. Second trimester started feeling better, halfway between the second trimester, almost to the third, about 23 weeks. Um, it was actually May 17th, I kind of felt sick, you know, like sinusy, not really all that, feeling all that great, so that's okay. So Monday, which would have been, I guess, the 19th, my water broke. I didn't know my water broke. At 23 weeks, you don't think your water's breaking. So I'm thinking I'm just peeing all over myself and I'm an embarrassed as all get out. So it was in the middle of the night. So I told my husband the next day, he, we all chuckled, had our nice little laugh at pregnancy women, you know, blah, 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 blah. We all pee our pants. Um, so went to my routine check on Wednesday and the doctor was like, I'm not really sure that you're peeing all over yourself. Why don't we just send you to the hospital to get, to get checked out? Just to just to see how it goes. So that's fine. The funny part about this day, there are lots of not so funny parts. So the one funny thing about this day is that my husband never ever forgets his phone until today. Until that day, he has left his phone. And it wouldn't be that big of a deal except for my husband works on farm equipment. So my husband, at the time, I'm trying to call him to tell him, hey, I'm just headed over to the hospital for a routine check, is following a big old combine down the middle of the road and I want you to try to imagine this in your mind. I call the guy on the combine, tell him what's going on. He pulls off to the side of the road. Jared pulls off behind him. 
So imagine a combine on the side of the road with two men outside talking on the phone. So I think that's humorous myself, but that's, that's neither here nor there. My husband is 6'3", so if you can imagine a 6'3 guy and that's probably a 5'11 guy both talking on the phone, but anyway. So Jared got to the hospital, I got to the hospital, he checked me, yes I am, one centimeter dilated, about 6 o'clock in the evening, um, effaced, okay, fine, well why don't we send you to Barnes, just to be sure that everything's okay, we'll send you via helicopter. I'm like, fine, okay, whatever. I'm going to stop right here and say, if you don't believe that God is the God of details, you are wrong. Okay. They could not get an IV in me to save, save their life. They tried seven times before they finally got an IV in. The reason that is important is because at around 8 o'clock, I was at 10 centimeters. I was ready to deliver that baby. Had they got an IV in exactly when they wanted to, I would have delivered that child in the helicopter. And that would not have been good for him or me. So God is the God of details. So I delivered Jude Weldon Schultz at 8 o'clock, and he was 1 pound 6 ounces and 11 inches long. That was my little guy. Another thing that God is the God of details about, well, no, let me, I'll get to that in a minute. So. I've had, and this is another chaos and confusion part, I've had Jude, you know, Jared's at my side, everybody's, there's a whole ton of people in the room, and the doctor asked me if we wanted to send him to St. Louis or not. I guess, I don't know, you know. He was like, well, you kind of need to let me know, that way I know if you want him to go up there and get treated or if you just want him to stay here. Now, how am I supposed to know? You know, because my thought is, well, if I send him up there and he doesn't make it and I never get to hold him, then he's going gonna to die alone, you know. But if I keep him here with me and he could have made it up there, what do I do? Luckily, that doctor, I think, realized my plight and my thought and said, you know what, I'll call up there and see what they say. And I said, okay. So they said, send him on up. We, we've had babies about that size, send him on up. So the other way that God is the God of details is the fact that the bird hit the helicopter as they were landing. And so they couldn't take off as soon as they wanted to take off, which is okay, because I got to see my baby before. The reason that that would take so long is because, or that I may not have been able to, is because whenever the doctor was trying to get my placenta out, and I'm sorry if I'm being too gross, sorry, well, you're a mom, so it doesn't really matter. So trying to be um, my placenta out, the cord actually snapped off of it. So here I am, the placenta's still in there, the cord's not, and I was like, we need to get you to the OR now and get that out. So did emergency, DNC, got all that out, and I did get to see Gabriel, or Jude, sorry, <coughs> Jude, and I got to see pictures. And I'm going to do a little side note on this also. One of the pictures that I saw that my husband brought to me was of Gabe, of Jude, I'm sorry, I, I switch their names all the time, of Jude in his little bitty tiny hand holding his daddy's finger. Jude would not let go of his daddy's finger. You know, he was struggling. He was holding on for dear life and he would not let go of his daddy's finger. If we can take that and think when we're struggling, when we're hanging on, barely hanging on, don't ever let go of your daddy's hand. No, don't ever let go of God's hand. He's got this. He's, he's got you. He's protecting you. 
So I go up to Cardinal Glennon. <clears throat> it was kind of an up and down on Cardinal Glennon. So I got there Friday. Gabriel, Lord, Jude was born on Wednesday. I didn't get to go up there till Friday because I had an infection. So they had to get rid of this infection. They said, you can't even see him until you don't have a fever. So you might as well stay down there and get rid of this infection. So I got to go out Friday, you know, it's a roller coaster of emotions. And we were told four times, I don't think he's gonna survive the night. So it was just really, really a roller coaster. So if you don't care to go to the next slide, please. The darkest hour is just before dawn. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the fourth time they said that he would not survive, they were right. On May 31st, 2008, we had to make the decision to turn off life support to our child. That is the most heart-wrenching, horrible decision to ever have to make as a parent, to decide to turn off life support to your own child. The funeral was a blur that we had. Uh, I went to counseling and he asked me about the funeral and I actually looked at him and said, I don't remember. And he said, that's okay, most parents don't remember their children's funeral. I guess that's a coping mechanism, I don't know. But anyway, next few weeks, months, a total blur. And we look back and we think, what in the world held us together? How did we stay upright, let alone walking through life? And again, I get back, Jesus Christ, the only way that I was able to walk through life, that Jared and I were able to walk through life with Jesus Christ. I think there were some times that the only reason I was standing is because Jesus was right there holding me up. But that is the way we understood. And I say understood, but we, un we could see why marriages fall apart after the loss of a child because we couldn't understand how you could make it through that without having Jesus, without having him as your savior to hold you, to guide you, to help you through life. So it was, <clears throat> it was something. Now the, the, cool, the cool thing is about this saying is that there is the dark hour. We had a horribly, horribly dark hour. But is this also, there is a dawn. There is always a dawn. <laughs> Babies don't bother me. I didn't even notice. This <laughs> is all right. There's always a dawn. One of my favorite verses that actually some of you may like that I have a tattoo, some of you may not, or a few, um, but is the last part of, part of Psalm 30, verse 5. Though sorrow may last for a night, joy comes in the morning. There is always joy. So, December 2008, we decided to go ahead and pursue adoption. We'd been thinking about it, so we thought, you know, we don't know if we're ever going to be able to get pregnant again. We don't know. We know we could try adoption. So we did, applied, did the paperwork. Paperwork was done April 2009, and then we waited. We got a few phone calls. Hey, we got this child. Maybe do you want us to put your profile up for them to see it? So yeah, can y'all still hear me? Hear me? Because I like move my hands all the time. Is it still okay? Can you still hear me? Okay, good. Sorry, I just realized maybe you couldn't. And March second, two thousand ten, 
Um, pop or bluff, doing a pop or bluff clinic, checking pacemakers, defibrillators, make sure they all work right. I got this call from my social worker. She says, there was a baby born February 23rd. Do you want him? Like, nah. Oh, of course, of course I want him, you know, of course. So well, I better call my husband, but of course, of course we do. So we found out March 2nd, 2010, about a baby. March 10th, eight days later, we were headed up to St. Louis to get him. Gabriel Wade Schultz was born February 23rd, 2010, up in St. Louis. Um, and he is now, well, he wasn't born Gabriel Wade Schultz is what his name is now. And we love him just as much as we love Jude. That was one of my fears, is what if I don't love him as much as I do my biological child? I was really afraid. What if I don't? I do. I love him just as much as I love Jude. And we get to tell him every day, you know you're adopted? You know, you grew up in Miss Stephanie's belly. Not this Stephanie. You grew up in Miss, <laughs> in Miss Stephanie's belly. And we can compare that to our dog, because he'll ask, is there anybody else adopted? Like, well, no, not like you, but you know we're all adopted by God. You know, we're all children of God now. We're all God's heirs. Those that have a faith in Jesus Christ, we all have heirs of God, just like you are adopted by mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy are adopted by God. So it is a really cool way to let him know about that. Next slide, please. <clears throat> to err is human, to forgive divine. So um, I debated whether or not to put this in my talk at all, but after I got to thinking about it, I was like, you know, I really want to. So everything's going great with us. You know, we're a happy little family. Around 2013, I learned about how much my father is drinking, you know, and how much it's starting to affect the family, which for me was a really hard thing to take because he was my rock. He was the person I call, hey, Dad, where is this in the Bible? Oh, it's right here. You know, he points right to it. All of a sudden, he's having this drinking issue. I was like, okay. And then I thought, well, I'm, that's my, I'm 32. I shouldn't be affected like this, but... I was daddy's little girl. I'm an only child, by the way. So anything dad does is just awesome besides this. But, you know, um, daddy's little girl. So Christmas Day, December 25th, 2013, my mother moves in with us, with Jared and I. And I have to tell you, Gabriel is ecstatic about the fact that Mama has moved in with us. He's all great with this. But I'm okay with it. So, Yeah. I don't remember exactly when, but Dad got his first DWI at some point in time. Mom had to go pick him up, all this good stuff, went to rehab, did okay. Mom moved back in, did all right, still had a little bit of issues. Next thing I know, he gets another DWI, and Mom asked me to go pick him up. It's at 2 o'clock in the morning. I really don't feel like going to the Bollinger County Jail to pick up my dad, but since Mom wanted me to, I did. I'm glad I did, not just to, not to get him out of jail per se, but because of the conversation and what I saw from that. I got to have a little bit of a conversation with dad. We did go pick up his car 
And I realized that maybe that was not the best decision, but I, he wasn't drunk at the time, you could tell anyway. Followed him back to his driveway. And I told him, I said, Dad, you understand that the next time I'm probably not gonna get out of bed. And he said something that I don't remember what he said, but I remember what How's that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Have any of you ever read the book This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti? So you know in the book you can see the human aspect and then you take a step back and you see the spiritual aspect. Okay. When I saw my father walking away, it was like I was seeing this little demon with his claws stuck in his brain, you know, because he was being tormented by something that I could not figure out. The things that my father was thinking at that point in time made absolutely no sense. And to see him walking away as like a dejected, tormented person, I was like, what is going on? So at that time, my mom was living with Carolyn Helderman because she just had shoulder surgery and was recuperating and there was, I couldn't be with her 24-7. So then she calls me and says, um, your dad just called me. I said, okay. He said, you took him home. I said, yep. He said, she goes, he's debating and actually seriously contemplating suicide. I was like, okay. Now, we live out in the middle of nowhere, so we have guns in our house, and dad has guns in his house. She said, he's actually sitting there with it. And I was like, okay. So I asked my husband, I said, what do I do? He goes, you can't do anything. So then I start, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at you. As <laughs> you're dancing back there, sorry. So I asked, my, and I asked my husband as I started crying, I said, are you gonna be able to tell me the same thing tomorrow when I go down there and find my father dead? To his credit, he said, sweetheart, yes, I will. And I have a wonderful husband. Luckily, thankfully, my father did not commit suicide, which is a good thing. My mother has moved back in with us for the time being, and I was tempted again to put another slide in here and thought better of it. It's called fish and guests smell after three days, but I thought maybe <laughs> shouldn't put that slide in here. No, but I love my mom. My mom and I are an awful lot alike, so it can be good, it can be bad. So next slide, please. Good things come to those who wait. First off, I hate this because I'm not patient. But other than that, Dad is now actually in Celebrate Recovery and has been in Celebrate Recovery for quite a while. If I'm not um, in training, I take him every Tuesday night, him and I both go to Celebrate Recovery. Um, he's um, has realigned his life with Christ, and um, he's going to a church in Whitewater. Mom and dad are technically still separated, but hopefully they'll be getting some counseling soon. And we are on the road to adoption again. We completed our application and everything else in October of 2013 and are waiting and waiting and waiting. 
Now the good thing is it's a lot easier to wait the second time because I know the outcome of the first time. I know that the outcome is good. Now there is one thing that I would change about this statement, and that is this. Yes, good things come to those who wait. We could actually change that to pray. I can wait a long time without praying. And I actually have done that before to no avail, to just be downhearted and impatient and what's, what, 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 why don't you do anything? And then when I start praying, you know, you get that peace, you get that, there's that peace, that comfort, and you realize that waiting isn't really that hard, especially when you think of all the people in the Bible that had to wait. It's, making, it's not that bad. Almost the last slide, I promise. It's getting, it's getting close to being done, I promise. Next slide, please. Yes, please. <laughs> if I had it to do over again, that's where you finish it. So, if, you had, if I had it to do over again, would I? Now, I have to say the knee-jerk reaction for almost everybody is yes, you know, without even thinking about it. And your heart is screaming, no, 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 no. Do you not remember the pain? Do you not remember what you went through? Do you not remember anything that you just, it just happened? But if you really think about it, and I mean really, really in your heart, in your mind, think, you know the answer is yes. Maybe not a yes, but more of a yes. Yeah. Sudden realization, sudden comfort and hope. Quiet and meaningful. Knowing that who I am today is because of what happened yesterday. And all of that is going to shape who I am tomorrow. And then I think about what I would or would not have and who I would or would not be if everything that I've gone through did not happen. So what if we got pregnant the very first time we tried? Well, first off, I wouldn't learn patience parentheses if that can be learned because that may be one thing that you can't learn so I wouldn't have learned that and I wouldn't have an avenue to help other women that are going through infertility I've been there I know what it's like I know what it feels like okay what if I hadn't had that first miscarriage would have never had Jude never would have had Jude what if Jude was still alive which sometimes I really wish that he was well then I never would have had Gabriel I also never would have had an avenue to comfort anyone going through any kind of loss, ever. What if dad wasn't an alcoholic? How would I know forgiveness? And how would I know love for the tormented soul? God does things for a reason, and I know that sounds cliche, but really he doesn't. Why would we want to change that? You know, why would we want to change it? So that is really my story of being me bravely. I have another slide here in a second that I think we've looked at everything. Oh, you went through it, yeah. This, we've seen the world's proverbial phrases. Now I thought we'd look at something of a little bit more reliable source of phrases. So, and I have to read these because I won't be able to remember all of these exactly. So, 2 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. So, I know sometimes 
we wonder about how we can be brave and how am I going to be me bravely. But, you know, really, me being brave throughout all this really is kind of a misleading statement because I really wasn't brave in any of this at all. Christ was. I was so weak, but Christ was strong. He was really the one that was able to keep me up and to keep me brave. So really, was I really brave? I don't know if I was brave, but Jesus was. He was right there with me. So, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. A lot of us know Jeremiah 29:11. We can sometimes quote that verse. And it is a wonderful verse. And I really like it when we keep on going to verse 13. So this is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And then if we keep going to 12 and 13, these are just awesome. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. God is not that far away. He's not that hard to find. Isaiah 55, 8. This is another one that we all know quite a bit. But sometimes we stop whenever we read 55, verse 8, and we don't keep going. So I'm going to keep going here. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens... For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And usually we stop there, you know, because that is pretty awesome that, you know, God's in control and he's, his thoughts are not my thoughts. As if his thoughts were my thoughts, it would just not be a happy thing at all. But if we keep going, and it says, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bear and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word, and so will my word which be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. That is so refreshing. Whatever God said is going to happen, it's going to happen. You know. Before the foundations of the world, when God looked at my life and said, you know, this is how I'm going to weave her life, that is exactly what happened. I may not have chose that. I may not have said, I think that's the best way to do it, but it is. It is the perfect way for my life. Very last one, and this is the one that I kind of alluded to a little bit when I talked about if... I hadn't gone through certain things, or even, not just me, any of you had gone through certain things, we wouldn't be able to comfort anyone else. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any afflictions 
with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. So it's got a lot of comfort in that verse. In case you couldn't tell. Sums up what that means. What does that mean? If you've gone through a trial, you can come right up alongside somebody else and walk them right through it and say, you know what? I may not know exactly what you're feeling, but I know how I felt when I was going through it. And let me just walk beside you. I can tell you something. As fellow moms, we need that a lot. You know, we need other moms to be able to walk up and say, you know what, I see you're struggling. I see what you're going through. I've been there. Let me just walk you right on through it. So that is actually all that I have. And I don't know what they do. I know there were some discussion questions, and they may kind of direct you with that. But that's all I got, girls. <laughs> Isn't God awesome to give us that kind of testimony of his faithfulness and his comfort and how he got Hannah and her family through some very difficult trials? Uh, discussion leaders, in your folders, there's some cards. Um, we are going to take those and hand those around the table, and we will take some time to pray and to be quiet with the music in the background. And we'll just um, fill out those cards the way you feel led. And then in about five minutes, I'm going to dismiss us to different discussion group rooms. I'd like us all to go in the rooms that are a little bit more intimate instead of this big room here. Um, courageous, she'll be going to B4 down the middle hall. Bold, B2 down the middle hall. Strong, C2, which is across from the downstairs kitchen. Valiant, C3, which is this couch room right here. Fearless will go in A7, which is right out this door. Confident is in B1 down this hall, and Daring's in B3 down this hall. Lord God, just give us um, your peace and your direction as we meditate on what's been told us today. Amen. <laughs>